Good afternoon and welcome to BibleQuest.tv, the Tuesday edition. We're glad you're able to join us today. If you're coming in on the Zoom app, we'd appreciate your comments and questions. And you do that by opening the Q&A box or using the chat box. There's got two choices there on the Zoom app. If you're coming in on the Facebook page, Scott Smeltzer's Facebook page, use the comments there, comment box there, and we'll address and answer your questions and comments as we go through the program. I want to bring in the panelists before we get started uh, with today's program. Stephen Rouse coming in from Harrisburg, right? Harrisburg. That's right. Good to see you guys. How are y'all doing? Well, good. I have some noise in the background. <laughs> you got to you got to trust the pets to come through. Oh boy, should the best possible moment. Yeah, sorry about that. And uh, Jonathan, good to see you, Jonathan. How are you doing? Good to see you guys. I am feeling much different and lighter than I was last week. I um, much much shinier. Yeah, but I'm I'm good. What'd you do? You must have grown a few inches or so because the hair went from there to here. Yeah, about this many inches. <laughs> <laughs> I grew since last week. So good to see you. And our program director, Scott Smeltzer, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Drew. How are you today? Good. Good to see you. Okay, so uh, I think we got everybody here. Let's go ahead and start. Scott, what are we talking about today? We are talking about hypocrisy. And I want to introduce it with three things, and we're going to turn it over to the panelists to bring out some different points and different scriptures. Uh, but first, let's think about one of the common reasons people say they don't go to church or they're not a Christian. And one of the common things you hear a lot over the years is what? Well, they're all a bunch of hypocrites, which is, I think, often an excuse. Uh, if, you, if you believe it is hypocrisy and they're not doing what Christ said, and you believe that you should do what Christ said, uh, then you have to understand what Christ said about judgment. And where are the hypocrites going to be in judgment? Do you want to end up with the hypocrites? Uh, many times I think that it's somewhat of an excuse, but there's often too much truth in it. Too often churches are filled with hypocrites, which leads then to another type of thing that people say. They say, well, at least I'm not a hypocrite. You know, I know I'm a drunkard, or I know I'm an adulterer, I know I'm a liar, I know I'm arrogant, I know I'm this, I know I'm that, but at least I'm not a hypocrite. Well, kudos on not being a hypocrite, but the point is not that you should be evil and not pretend to be good. The point is we're not to be evil. Hypocrisy is one type of evil. There are more. And so we're first going to just look at the word. The Greek word is hypocrites, and uh, it you can see hypocrites. Uh, that's the Greek word for hypocrite. That our word for hypocrite is it's the Greek word. Uh, our, our English word comes from the Greek word. So instead of this time going to say Thayer's or Art and Gingrich, we're just going to look at uh, Merriam-Webster on the origin of hypocrite. Common word has a dramatic origin story. Uh, a number of different things might pop to your mind when you hear the word hypocrite. 
Maybe it's a politician caught in a scandal. Maybe it's a religious leader doing something counter to their creed. Maybe it's scheming, conniving character, et cetera. But it's likely that the one thing that doesn't come to mind is the theater. So this is a theatrical mask from the first century BC. Hypocrite comes from the Greek word Hippocrates, which means an actor. And so if you've ever seen the kind of uh, semicircular stages that they have for productions and stuff, you can go to Google Earth, for example, and go to Ephesus and zoom down and look at the theater that's mentioned in Acts 19. It's still there. You can see it from, from the satellite. But down there on the stage, you would have actors and they would wear these masks to present to the public who they were, but this is not who they were. They're pretending to be something. So the actor was a hypocrite. Uh, the word hypocrite ultimately came into English from the Greek Hippocrates, which means an actor or a stage player. The Greek word itself is a compound noun. It's made up of two Greek words that literally translate as an interpreter from underneath. That bizarre compound makes more sense when you know that the actors in ancient Greece theater wore large masks to mark which character they were playing, and so they interpreted the story from underneath their masks. Uh, the Greek word took an extended meaning to refer to any person who was wearing a figurative mask, pretending to be someone or something they were not, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, if you're in a stage production and you're pretending, oh, go ahead, Drew. Oh, you're muted, Drew. Oh, we cannot hear you. Oh, you can't hear me. Okay. Now we can, now we can. Uh, so you, uh, I got the impression what you're saying here is that in the first century, the word hypocrites or however you pronounce that in the Greek, we get our hypocrite. That wasn't a negative term. That was just describing a person who's an actor. Is that what you're saying? No, by the first century, it's already a negative term. It was. So, like it says here, the Greek word took an extended meaning to refer to any person who was wearing a figurative mask, pretending to be something or someone they were not. Uh -huh. So it originated from uh, the, the actors uh, on the stage and was applied elsewhere. So when Jesus is saying, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, or as I don't know what word he would use in Aramaic, but when in the first century that's translated into Greek, hypocrite, uh, he, he's not saying, oh, you guys are part of a theatrical production. Uh, what are you? He's saying hypocrites. There's this pretense of one thing instead of the reality. And so with that introduction, let's start looking at uh, some things. There's, there's several angles to look at on this. And so somebody pick in various scriptures, somebody pick one and get us started. Well, one thing I think that you mentioned at the beginning, Scott, um, one of the things that comes up a lot, like uh, in people's aversion to uh, religion and wanting to go to church and be involved in that is because they say, well, they're just a bunch of hypocrites and I don't want to involve myself in that, which there's a fundamental flaw in that, that, that shows up in scriptures also, regardless of the people that are involved, the word of God is still true. Uh, and there's a time where Paul says that in Romans chapter three, uh, Romans chapter three and verse three says, what if some were unfaithful? And he's talking about the Jews and their covenant with God, which the Jews were unfaithful in their covenant with God. And so he asks a question, what if some were unfaithful? Does their faith, uh, faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? And in verse four, he says, by no means, let God be true, though everyone were a liar. Um, regardless of how people 
respond to God's word, God's word is still true and right. And you fast forward that to the first century and Jesus's dealings with the Jews. There are a lot of hypocrites, like you've already alluded to, Scott, among the Jews, namely the scribes and the Pharisees. And there's like a whole chapter dedicated to that in Matthew chapter 23. So over in Matthew 23, it's interesting some of the things that Jesus says before he gets to calling them hypocrites. He's describing their lifestyle, describing what they do and the things that they enjoy. And so uh, in verse two of Matthew 23, he says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, and so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do. So even there, Jesus says, they're teaching the right things, that <laughs> they're saying the right things. Listen to those, but don't, don't follow after their, uh, their examples and how they follow through with those things, because they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. And so you have this picture here, that, that idea, which kind of what you said, Scott, at the beginning, that just seems like an excuse to avoid religion altogether. If something is true, if God's word is true, it shouldn't matter that you're going to give up on God's word because some of his followers are acting hypocritically. And so often you'll, you'll, see, you'll see a church and you've got people who've come to the Lord and they meet and they commemorate the Lord's death every Sunday, and then after a period of time, some of the people, either they've been behaving badly and then it becomes obvious, or they've been behaving badly, and other people get angry, and then you get resentment and bitterness, and a bunch of people quit serving the Lord altogether. How did any of this that happened over this months or years of time by people living today change what Jesus did? Now, there can be factious people that the church needs to deal with, a factious man after first and second admonition refused. There can be apologies made, there can be apologies accepted, there can be forgiveness, there can be sin pointed out, all of that. Uh, sometimes you may realize the church is so corrupt, you may, may need to be in, in a different church or something. But to walk away from the Lord, how does your or my bad behavior or anybody else's bad behavior today change who created us or what Christ did for us. It doesn't change it at all. And that's so important to understand that when we see hypocrisy in other people, it, it reflects on their character, but it does not reflect on God's character. But as people who claim to be Christians, all of us are claiming to be Christians, we're in a sense wearing the name of Christ. When we call ourselves a Christian, uh, we're, we're, we're supposed to be an imitator of Christ and, and, and representing him to other people. And that's really a, a theme in scripture. Um, and in some ways, I, I heard this recently, and I found this to be compelling, that it really goes all the way back to the Ten Commandments. Um, one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not Usually we, we quote it, you should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And that word for to take, like literally means like to lift or to carry. And certainly we should not speak God's name flippantly. That, that is absolutely not what a professing Christian ought to do. But the, the, the term may really be broader than just don't say God's name in, a, in an un, irreverent way. 
but even more the idea of, of wearing God's name. And, and there's some cool things in the context of Exodus about that's really what the priests were doing, uh, that like the high priest with the, the breastplate would be bearing the names or carrying the names of the sons of Israel to God. And then he also had the turban with the gold plate on it that said, holy to the Lord, and it has God's name on it. And so he's representing the people to God and God to the people. And all that's to say that Israel was supposed to be a nation of priests. They were supposed to be a people who are representing God to the world. And so when they behaved poorly, what do the nations do? What do they think about Israel's God? They blasphemed him. And so it says that um, in uh, Jeremiah, it says that it's quoted in Romans 1 or in Romans 2, where it says the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Right. That your bad behavior is causing, and maybe your hypocrisy, you might, we might say, is reflecting poorly on God. So there's two, there's two sides of this. When we see hypocrisy in other places, we need to not let that carry on to God's character. But in ourselves, we need to realize that there will be some people who let that carry in their minds onto God's character. And so we need to be very careful how we carry the name Christian. I want to just end with this passage from 1 Peter chapter 4, because I hadn't thought about this until kind of this whole thread about um, taking God's name in vain uh, and a different meaning of that. In uh, 1 Peter 4, 16, in the context of suffering specifically, Peter writes this to these Christians. He says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. And I just appreciate that, that when we suffer, when we are mistreated, when things are difficult, we need to behave and live in such a way that other people see that we're carrying God's name and upholding his name as holy. So I, I found that to be very encouraging, helpful to think about. And, and a good reminder is what Jesus said in Luke 17, it is impossible that there will not be occasions of stumbling, but woe to those through whom the occasion of stumbling come. There's a song that says, we are in kind of using the metaphor from Second uh, Corinthians 3, I guess, we are the only Bible that some people will read. You know, they haven't picked up the Bible but if they see us talking about the Lord and talking about the Bible and see us behaving badly in their mind, that's going to reflect. That's absolutely right. And, you know, I've heard that it also may connect in with the Lord's prayer where we talk about hallowed be your name, like your name be sanctified is like literally that idea. And that that's more than just saying to God, you're holy. That's absolutely true. But it's saying, God, may your name be sanctified. And that's part of our goal as Christians is, is as we live in the world, as God's will is done in his kingdom, that we are representing God. And that, that's a sobering thought as we think about this and, and a great encouragement not to be a hypocrite. Do you remember the passage where Paul said for servants, to their life before their masters to be noble and worthy so that their lives adorn the gospel. How we behave can cause people to either say, I want to know more about that, or I want nothing to do with that. 
and you see that over and over, not just with servants, but also in like the husband wife relationship. Um, Peter mentions that in, in first Peter, that the wife with an unbelieving husband, you live your life in a way that's pleasing to God and your husband may be one without a word to Christ, seeing the good conduct of their wives. Uh, our conduct certainly has, has a very big effect on how people view God. And so that, that needs to be uh, very important for us and how we live. Um, but I was thinking uh, a question for you guys. So what, what makes you, so we looked at kind of the origin of the word hypocrite um, and, and how we use it today. Often whenever I hear the word hypocrite used today, um, it, it's kind of given in the context of like, you're not practicing what you preach. So for example, you say um, you need to be honest, yet you're a liar. So that makes you a hypocrite. Is that the only way that you could be a hypocrite or are there other ways that hypocrisy can form in your life? I was thinking of uh, in Matthew 6, they were doing it not necessarily for the way you were describing it. Uh, Matthew 6, in fact, I was going through it. It's really more, I was looking at the one issue. In Matthew 6 and 2, he talks about, this, is when you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and the streets so that they may be honored. So they want attention for their, they're doing good. They're supposed to be doing good, but they're doing it because they want the honor. And then in verse five, it says, when you pray, Jesus speaking, you are not to be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. And then there's another one in 16. When you fast, do not put on gloomy face, a gloomy face as the hypocrites do for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. And those three areas, all three of these areas, give to the poor, pray to the Lord, and fasting are, are religious practices that we are to carry out and do. But they're doing it, I guess that, that mass that you're talking about or that acting that you're talking about, they that was not really in their heart is why they're doing it. They were doing these things for the attention or the reward in fact he said that's that that is the reward for the um the bravos look how righteous these guys are look how good they are oh i wish i could be as good as them that's what they were that's what they were achieving that's a hypocrite that that's it's all connected if you notice some of these they're overlapping yeah yeah but just really quickly before we keep going with this, there's a comment from Stephen uh, on Facebook. He said, being a hypocrite is more than having a moral failing from time to time. Um, we don't and shouldn't pretend to be perfect people. We're forgiven people who strive to live holy lives. Often the accusation of hypocrite is, is ill-founded and ill-founded in the sense of uh, a gainsayer highlighting a single failure in the life of a believer who's striving to live faithfully. Um, and I think that there is a distinction in being a hypocrite and acting hypocritically. Um, and there's an example of that, biblical example of that. Um, we were talking about this earlier um, earlier today, but the Apostle Peter in Galatians chapter two. Um, if you look at Peter's life, I would not say that Peter was a hypocrite. Did he act hypocritically at some points in his life? Multiple times, whenever Jesus was being arrested and on trial, he was putting on a face that he didn't know the man three times. He, he, he said, I don't know the man. I've never seen him before. And that kind of thing. That's acting hypocritically. 
um, or then in Galatians chapter two, whenever Paul mentions his confrontation that he has with him, um, where some of the men were coming up from Jerusalem uh, and Cephas, he came to Antioch. So in verse 11, when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned for before certain men came from James, those men from Jerusalem, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. And so there's a difference and a distinction in being a hypocrite and failing and acting hypocritically at some point. Would you say that, Jonathan, the, the references that I was looking at here in Matthew 6 covers both of those? They were acting hypocritically and they were hypocrites. Yeah, and cer certainly hypocrites are going to act hypocritically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and in Stephen's comment, uh, you notice he, he said, rightly, that we're not to pretend that we never do anything wrong. Uh, the idea behind the word originally hypocrite was it was a pretense. One of the key character traits that are so important is how we do behave when we're wrong. You know, it would be nice if we were never, ever, ever, ever wrong, but we're wrong sometimes. And when a hypocrite is wrong, what will he pretend? That he is not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was your fault. It was their fault. It wasn't really wrong. You missed, you know, whatever. But it can't end up here because he, and it's, it is one of the most foolish human attitudes. Because if I take the attitude, I can't have anybody think that I did something wrong. How many people in the world believe I never do something wrong? No, <laughs> that's, you're not, that's not going to work. And, and when you see somebody that won't admit they're wrong, have you ever gone, oh, wow, they must be right. Hmm. When people refuse to admit they're wrong, it doesn't make them look better. It makes them look worse. And yet they're hiding behind this pretense. And so when people say, you did that wrong, the, the, the disciple needs to say, you're right. Yeah. I'm sorry. And if they want to call that hypocrisy, they can. And you might, depending on the situation, need to say, I was behaving hypocritically on that. You're right. I'm wrong. Whatever the charge was. And in so being, whether it's for our children or other people, that helps exemplify to other people, this is what you do when you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Don't pretend you're right, you admit it and you change. John. Yeah, and, and while um, when you're, you were saying that, if, if you give the idea, that, oh, I'm never wrong, people aren't impressed by that. But there are still people that are very influential that maybe don't have that attitude that people kind of, they assume that. Like there are people in my life that I grew up um, hearing preach and, and older members of the church that, uh, that I really respect. And it was kind of like, I could never imagine them doing anything ever wrong um, kind of thing. And, and they, didn't, they didn't make that like, that wasn't how they viewed themselves and that, that wasn't how they presented themselves, but that was kind of the idea that I had. And it kind of leads me to um, back to Galatians 2 and a comment came in from Theron. Um, he, he said, no, not Barnabas too. Um, you think about Barnabas, 
like Barnabas was a really strong Christian that's described in the Bible. He's, he's the son of encouragement. He had his name changed based on a character trait that he had. And, and he kind of helped, you know, culture and raise the apostle Paul who, who did a lot of good uh, in, in the first century. But then Peter, a very influential guy, uh, he comes in and starts acting hypocritically, and it even affects Barnabas to the point. Now, I don't know what was going through Barnabas's head. Um, maybe he wasn't thinking the same way that Peter was, but he did follow suit with Peter, which goes back to what we started, um, that acting hypocritically is, is really serious because um, it's a sin. It, it condemns us before God, but it also influences really strong Christians and can influence really strong Christians if we're not careful. Oh, yeah. So as we think about these two senses we've talked about uh, of hypocrisy, because one of them is like the one I've usually thought of, and that is you preach one thing and then practice something different, which is certainly what the Pharisees were doing in Matthew 23. But in Matthew 6, Jesus seems to be addressing more the other sense of hypocrisy being an actor where you're doing the right thing for the wrong reason. That you're, you're, you're having outward righteousness, but inside you're all about yourself. And that uh, is just very sobering for us to think about, for me to think about, uh, because any time we're doing something right, it's not that we shouldn't ever want to be congratulated or feel good for doing something right. It feels good to do what's right. But at the same time, we have to be very honest with ourselves about our motives. And if, if we're just going through the motions, if we're just putting on an act in order to receive praise from people, it's easier for that to fly under the radar than, oh, you preaching this and then not doing it. Like sometimes it's, it's only us and the Lord that know if we're being a hypocrite in that second sense, where we're doing the right thing with the wrong motive. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount is really all about. Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter and cutting through the externals and saying, who are you really before God? And so this idea of being a hypocrite, I think thinking of it in those two layers is very helpful and very challenging, especially when we think about that, that second sense that Matthew 6 is addressing. The, uh, we've got a comment here from uh, Joe. He says, modern media promotes this. And especially when you think about modern politics in media, but yeah, modern media in a lot of ways, uh, relate a couple of things. Uh, Joseph Kennedy, who is the father of one of our presidents and the father of two presidential candidates, uh, one of whom candidate, whose candidacy went off track when he drowned uh, Mary Jane Kopechny in, in the lake up there, or the tidal pool up in um, Massachusetts and didn't report it till hours later the next day, et cetera. He, in a book about that family, Boston Globe reporter said that what he told his children was, it's not important who you are. It's important who people think you are. And wow. you can see a lot of hypocrisy in how we treat things politically. If your candidate does this, that's horrible. He should be thrown out of office. If my candidate does this, well, nobody's perfect. You know, and this type of thing, back and forth. Jonathan. And going on with that, another comment relating to, to children and, and acting hypocritically, um, Dan commented on Facebook, um, it's extremely important as parents that we admit to our children when we are wrong. 
kids think that their parents can do no wrong and eventually they grow out of that. But if they see us admit our failures, it drives home that being wrong isn't something to be feared. Um, and I think that that's one thing, like what you mentioned, um, that, that attitude of it doesn't matter who you are, it matters who people think you are kind of thing. That's totally opposite of, of being a Christian. And, and this idea of, I think that kind of drives home the idea of, of why people act hypocritically sometimes um, is that there's this, there's this fear of being wrong and being seen as wrong. Nobody likes being wrong. It's uncomfortable. Um, it, it's embarrassing. <laughs> Nobody likes that. But it's a necessary feeling if you want to follow God, <laughs> because that's kind of what's at the core of repentance, realizing I'm wrong and I need to change <laughs> um, kind of thing. And, and I think, Dan, you're absolutely right. Uh, as a parent, instilling that in kids, it's okay to admit that you're wrong. It's not okay to be wrong, but you need to be willing to admit that you're wrong and change from that. Absolutely. I want to make two points on this, and then I'd like to look at Matthew 23, because in scanning over the number of times the word hypocrite is used, it looks like it's used in the New Testament about 15 times, if I remember correctly, and uh, most to half of it, half a dozen of them anyway, are in Matthew 23. Uh, so if one of you wants to pull up Blue Letter Bible, and, and we'll just look at some text in Matthew 23, but I'd like to share two things real quick. Uh, this is related to hypocrisy. It's not the same thing, this is a side tangent, but it's just so crucial. Uh, Stephen brought it up in his comment, not pretending we're right when we're wrong. And we've been talking, Dan brought up this, man, I want to aim in that. When you're wrong, let, tell your kids, you know, apologize to your kids when you need to apologize. Admit things that some people think, oh, that'll undermine my authority. It will show them what you do when you're wrong. You want to raise arrogant kids that don't apologize? A good way to get started on that is by being an arrogant person that doesn't apologize. Two things I want to share quickly. One is, I'm really disturbed today. I don't know if you've seen the video out of Minneapolis, but uh, there it's video of a man on the ground. He's handcuffed. He's face down beside the police car, and one police officer has his knee in, in the back of his neck as the face down man on the ground is pleading and saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And this goes on for a long time. The people on the sidewalk that are filming it are saying, he, he, you, you need to get off his neck. And they're saying, you know, he's saying he can't breathe. And the first officer, completely unresponsive, he just keeps, the guy gets killed, by the way, keeps his knee on his neck, keeps his knee on his Other officer is like keeping the crowd at bay, but at no point does he turn and hold the other guy accountable. As it goes on and on and on, the people are saying, he's not moving, he's not resisting, they pointed out earlier. And then after a while, they say, he's not moving. And then they start, you're, you're killing him. The officer doesn't let go until the medic taps him and they put the limp body on the stretcher. And I mean, just, just, despite all the other things, they're just the stubbornness of not listening. And the officer who didn't do it, and I would like to think wouldn't do it, but facing down the crowd, and he's hearing them say, is he breathing? Can you check his pulse? And at no point did he was he willing to stand up against his fellow guy and just do what was right. And, and the other point I want to mention just real quickly is years ago, um, I was putting together a class for preparing men for eldership. 
And there was one fellow in particular that I invited and asked to come to the class because I thought someday he would make a good elder. I said, will you come be in that class? And he did. But then later, when some real problems occurred within his family and I saw how he reacted, I learned something. Because I had seen him behave very well in a number of situations in which he wasn't wrong. But later I saw how he acted when he was wrong. It wasn't good. There are a lot of people, if you see them when they're doing good things, that's good. That doesn't tell you the whole story. The whole story often comes out, how do we act when we are? And it's all over the book of Proverbs, you know, a wise man accepts instruction, you know, fools despise wisdom and instruction. And a lot of that is the idea of if we are wearing a mask, if we're being a hypocrite, we're being an actor, how do we react when the mask starts to slip? You know, right. when, when, when we're being exposed for right. who we are, that is when a, a Christian, someone who follows Jesus, if you have been wearing a mask, somebody will thank you and say, you're right. Because uh, sometimes we're acting like a hypocrite and we haven't even really admitted it to ourselves. But when someone points it out, we say, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, I, I need to own up to who I've been underneath. Uh, whereas someone who is living as a hypocrite is going to attack everything they can to keep you from getting that mask off. And, um, and we just have to be really, again, honest with ourselves um, and careful with each other. Cause there's going to be times where we have to go in love to other people and say, brother, I'm afraid you're, I'm afraid you're wearing a mask here and you need, you need to own up to what's going on. Or some people might come to us and confront us about that. Yep. And so just have an open hearts. I mean, Jesus is trying to get us to be genuine people who recognize our faults, uh, are not using, well, nobody's perfect as an excuse, but people who recognize I'm, I'm not going to be perfect. And when I see that I'm wrong, I'm not going to wear a mask about it. I'm going to be honest with the Lord. I'm going to be honest with myself. And I'm going to be honest with other people. Thank you. Jonathan, you want to pull up those scriptures there for us? Uh, yeah, let me do that. Yeah, so it starts in verse 13, where Jesus begins with the uh, talking to the scribes and Pharisees as their hypocrites. Uh, do you want to go through that, Scott? Sure. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You neither go in yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in all the while claiming to be people of God. Verse 15, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. That's a convert. And when he becomes a proselyte, you've made him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he's bound by his own. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold of the temple or the, uh, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred. And you say, if someone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his own. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred. So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. Whoever swears by the temple swears by it and him who dwells in it. 
Now, it gets to be some really interesting things down here in verse 23. If one of y'all pick up the reading, uh, this is a really strong, powerful section. Verse 23 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. I mean, this section just really points out that we've got a total, what's the word I'm looking for? A total misunderstanding of what God's going for, that they're very focused on these outward things. Yes, the outward. But totally neglecting the more important inward things. Right. And that's what comes up in verse 25 also. What do you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but the inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup of the plate that the outside may also be clean. I think that kind of relates to another principle, um, something that Jesus brings up in the Sermon on the Mount as well, where he mentions um, acting hypocritically in Matthew chapter seven, judge not that you be not judged. People really like Matthew seven, verse one. Um, don't judge me kind of thing. Um, but that's not what that verse is, uh, what that section is talking about, that you can never tell someone that they're acting uh, in a wrong way. His point there uh, in verse two, he says, with the judgment that you pronounce, you will also be judged. And with the measure you use will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do nothing about the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take out the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take out the log in your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck of your brother's eye. Uh, it kind of goes back to where we started, where people um, have the aversion to, to being uh, religious because religious people are hypocrites. Um, that may be true, there, and it probably is. There are, there are religious people who act hypocritically from time to time. And there are religious people in Jesus' day, the Pharisees, that were hypocrites. Even if they are, your responsibility is to make sure you're not a hypocrite. Um, and, and that's what we need to do. Um, if somebody else wants to be a hypocrite, we can try to help them and show them that and speak the truth and love to them. But ultimately, if they want to be a hypocrite, they get to be a hypocrite. I need to make sure I'm not being a hypocrite. Right. True. Yeah, uh, when you were reading through that, uh, verses 13, uh, 15, my verse doesn't have 14. ESV skips the Verse 14, but that's not the point I wanted to make. He says they're, 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 they're hypocrites, but um, they're not only shutting the kingdom, they're not entering themselves, but they're not letting others enter in. And in verse 15, you're making him uh, twice as much a child of hell. How do they do that? How does them being a hypocrite is causing that negative response on those others. I think I feel like it goes back to what Scott brought up earlier with the uh, point about the guy teaching his kids. It doesn't matter who you are. It matters who people think you are. Um, if they're teaching their converts to be like themselves, then they, they don't have to follow them, but they're very likely going to follow them. And if they're being children of hell, how much more are those they're teaching? And the Pharisees taught as their doctrines the precepts of men and are called hypocrites in, in Mark 7. And they, uh, in Matthew 5, Jesus said, 
talked about those that break the commandments and teach people to do so. And if you're focused only on the externals and leaving the internals undone, you can imagine what kind of disciples you could end up making. Mm -hmm. We had a comment come in earlier from Joe. Uh, this is why we need Second Peter 1, 5 through 11. And um, I think that's a helpful passage to read. Second Peter 1, starting in verse 5, Peter wrote, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's helpful to think about that, that if we are people who are examining ourselves and growing in these qualities, I like the point that he, he points out in verse 9, if you're lacking these qualities, you become nearsighted, like you've forgotten where you've come from. And that's really a type of hypocrisy is that we're, we're wearing a mask that we've always been perfect and we've always been good and we forgot who we were and where, how far God has brought us to get to whatever level we're at. And so that, that this list is helpful to tie into this discussion. Thanks, Joe. There's a little bit more Matthew 23 on this that I don't think we read yet. We're getting close to time here. Let's get these last verses in. Matthew 23, verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous. And... Uh, that one, I want to go ahead and get the next verse on that because it helps illustrate that. Saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. So they, they've got these monuments of the prophets and they decorate and honor them. Oh, we wouldn't have done that. What are they about to do just a few days from now? Kill Jesus. Yeah. We had another comment come in from Stephen on Facebook, and it, just going back in the discussion a little bit, uh, the thing that was said, the whole story comes out when we are wrong. He said, amen, great point. Uh, we don't have to be afraid of that because we have forgiveness in Christ. That doesn't mean we like being wrong, but we don't have to be afraid of it. Our identity isn't in our righteousness. That's a good point. Um, and he also pointed out earlier uh, to Dan's comment about our children. Good point, Dan. If we aren't real with our children, then we're training them to be hypocritical, pretending to be something they aren't. Thank you, Stephen, for those comments. So I think just recapping really quickly, because um, this is how my mind works. Um, when you spend 45 minutes talking about something, you forget what you started talking about, at least I do. Uh, so to, to recap, Hypocrisy, um, it exists in the world. We're all aware of that. It shouldn't be an excuse to not serve God. Um, the people that act hypocritically don't change the character of God. 
However, people that call themselves Christians have a great responsibility of carrying the name of God, carrying the name of Christ. And there will be people that have their view of God changed based on how God's people act. So we need to make sure that we aren't acting hypocritically. And when we see others acting hypocritically to gently help them see that and, and help them to change and, and take the mask off um, and start living right. But, but don't let it shake your own faith in who God is. Like what, like what Paul says in Romans three, let God be true though everyone were a liar. If every single person in the world was a sinner, which they are, <laughs> it doesn't change that God is righteous and good. Um, you guys have any other comments or anything else you want to bring up before we finish up this evening or this afternoon? Yeah, addressing what you had just said was, but it's easier for me to run away than it is to help someone else. Uh, let me say it this way. It's easier for me to run away and use it as an excuse rather than confront someone who I believe is being hypocritical. So I'll, I'll use that as an excuse to say, well, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to continue in this or whatever it is I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and people can use that sometimes, but um, we shouldn't allow other people's sin to separate us from God. Um, and you can certainly do that. Your sin will separate you from God, but don't allow other people's sin to separate you from God as well. Yeah. All right. Um, thank you all for your comments and discussion and to our audience um, for your comments and questions uh, coming in. If you guys have any more comments or questions or anything you want us to discuss on the show, um, you can submit that to BibleQuest.org. I will be happy to get to your comments um, and maybe discuss those live. Or if you'd like us to discuss those privately, we'd be happy to do with that, uh, that with you as well. Um, with that being said, we hope to see you guys next week at 2 p.m., Lord willing.